If you could teach one subject in school, what would it be? English. Hey, it's Brandon. And I'm David. Welcome to Late to the Party, a podcast where we investigate and break down the 1001 albums you must hear before you die, the 2016 edition edited by Robert Dimery. You're so lucky. You get to listen to the 21st century version of Ebony and Ivory. Oh, that one's going to get me in trouble. (laughs) Every week we'll listen to an album from the list and break down why it's worth a listen, purchase, or pass. This week we're talking about number 995, Taylor Swift's 1989. Well, David, how's it going? Oh, it's going. As usual, you know, it, it seems like we're going forward, but yet we're uh, haven't advanced anywhere at all. Like at the calendar says it's the next day, but is it? What's the difference? I don't know. It's September. So that means it's not summer, but it's not fall. So September like, 1st just completely snuck up on me. Yeah. And they hide it. They hide, see it coming. they hide it on a weekend. So, I'll, you know, well, they didn't, but all of a sudden, like, get back to school and it's or work or whatever, and it's like mid September. All of a sudden, what the hell happened? I know. I guess it's like most of this time, it just feels like you're in purgatory. <laughs> okay, you let's know. not dive into Dante. <laughs> um, anything new in particular in your life? Um, no, I mean, honestly, probably going to be a broken record here at some point where I'm just talking about being back in school, teaching, teaching, which I don't know. What was I teaching last time that? Have I started teaching last time? <laughs> You're, you've leaned in so close yeah. to the camera. <clears throat> well, Folks, yeah. we're still zooming because you know, that's what you do when you try not to die. Yeah. Uh, and David just got obnoxiously close to the camera. Well, it's great. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think you were teaching, but no, you know, this is the space we come yeah, to so. and not do that. Yeah, I know. I'm just, that's, you know, it's, it's, that's happening. And, um, oh, I read, um, I have a whole bunch, I collect comics. I collect I buy and then I don't know collecting counts buy them and you read but them I started realizing that some of them are worth some money that I probably should have like actually um took in, taken care of and not given to students and stuff like that anyway um so I reread a series called Paper Girls which is a Brian, oh, nice. a Brian K. Vaughn which you might know him from Lost Fame and a bunch of mm-hmm. other major but anyway they're going to make a tv show out of this one too so I wanted to read it all before um before that happened and it's it's excellent it's an excellent it's only 30 issues, so it's pretty quick, but... Oh, cool. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. What about what about you, Brandon? What have you been getting up to? Uh, I've been watching a lot of the U.S. Open the last couple of days in tennis. It's happening under a bubble. How is it? Is it weird? But a li- uh, it was at the beginning, but lately it's it's been pretty normal because the matches have been so good. The quality of play has been so excellent that the, even the announcers have said they've, they've noticed that it's become normalized not to have people in the stands. It's completely normal. Uh, I also, I zoomed with a couple of friends this morning because Braden and I are going camping next weekend. That's Sam nice. A. Baker Lake. I don't know where that is or what that looks like. But that's or who he is. Who's Sam Baker? Or, yeah, who's, who's Sam Baker? I taught a kid whose name was Sam Baker a couple of years Sam ago. Sam A. Baker, though? So, <laughs> no, no, it sounds okay, fancy. Well. It sounds like Joseph A. Baker. Uh, He's A. Baker. But here's the deal. I'm not, I'm not a camper. I don't camp. David, the last time that I camped, the last time I did anything close to camping was Bonnaroo 2014. All right. That and that camping, yeah. No, that was a version of me that wore bro tanks and aviators. And I, you know, I said drank PBR like they were paying me to yeah, do it. Yeah, it's like it's like college outside. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly yeah. what it was. I was <laughs> eating pizza at three o'clock in the morning and seeing James Blake live at a small tent. Like, you know, it was not camping. So next weekend's gonna be interesting. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, yeah. I think. I, don't, I can't even tell you last time I went camping. I've probably camped like three days in my whole life. Um, yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of sleeping on, you know, hard surfaces or waking up wet, as the case might be. This, do you think maybe it's like if you didn't grow up doing this, then the further and further away from your youth you get, the less and less likely you'd like to explore the wilderness on your own? Well, I th- <laughs> I'm, I'm not going back to Bonnaroo because, uh, well toilets uh, and i i will let you know about the camping experience when we record our next episode which will probably be after we've gone camping fantastic uh, testing now that's what i'm doing what well, are you listening to well I, you know uh what's pumping me up in the mornings at 6 a.m when i'm driving to school is uh run the jewels rtj4 their latest oh i've not listened is i really like them and i, I came to them latish like their third album and i was like obsessed listening to all of them and um, 
I think Killer Mike and LP are really talented lyricists and also mm-hmm. just really they're always having so much fun uh and I think they that, are and I, I really enjoy and it's also like really excellent to like hype your day up so um it's a very timely I've seen album that band, do you know I've seen that band twice just randomly never meaning to but they've popped up at two different so that I saw them I think I saw them at Bonnaroo once and then I saw them at St. James Laneway Festival in 2013 it's the first time I saw the National as well Killer Mike the way he moves is ridiculous. I can't, I have no idea how that man who is so large and so tall he's, yeah, is able he's, to move as, he's so graceful. It's, yeah, I, I, you know, I don't actually think I've ever seen live rap. No, I saw one time the infamous Buster Rhymes because he was at, a, he came to our college, Ooh. he came to our college and played after like Yellow Fordham? Car- Yeah, Fordham University. <laughs> he played it like, after yellow card or i think it's yellow card or one of those yeah. you know type bands and he was awful uh and he was rapping and like putting his mic out for people to like finish the lyrics and like no one knew what the hell he was singing so it was just a really terrible and he was also like yeah. 30 minutes late and there's a and well he peaced if you're looking for if you're looking for the antithesis of buster rhymes look no further than killer mike uh are you, i think you're gonna be shocked by what i've been listening to uh well if it isn't Besides Taylor Swift, because if I if I if you said that and it wasn't the Taylor Swift episode, I think I'd be surprised. But um, I know we're recording this, but I wonder how long we've gone without actually saying that we were talking about Taylor Swift today. We said that in the first. No, yeah, yeah no, we did it. In the bit, bumper, sure. In the bumper, we got it. It's... No, I've been listening to '90s Brandy. Okay, so, so I'm talking. I want to be down, right? I'm talking sitting up in my room. The Boy Is Mine, her duet with Monica. Huh? That's a great song. Isn't it so good? A, a couple song. nights ago, I, just, I, was, I found myself watching Brandy videos in bed alone. It's as you midnight. do. Yeah, as you do. And yeah. As one, you know, I'm just singing and smiling, thinking about 1984, 1994, not 1984. How old oh, were you yeah. in 1984? Um, 10. I was five. Wow. You know who else was four is a big year. Do you know who else was five in in nineteen ninety four? Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. Oh my gosh, that's a big year. Taylor Swift Um, and I were five. I my sister was born that year. Fell in love with Flaming Hot Cheetos. Big year. Big year. You know the year you fell in love with Flaming Hot Cheetos. I remember having a bag of them when the day that my sister was born. (laughs) So those two things are. Oh okay. Yeah, man. I wonder. Ooh. 1994 was also the year that I recited I Too by Langston Hughes for some sort of PTA assembly for Black History Month. Jeez. The simpler, quainter times. Uh, yeah, you know, just, I was watching, to, for my 1994 fix today, I was watching, <laughs> I was watching the great sitcom Sister, Sister, which was in 1994. Oh, so good. And it's up on Netflix. I'm like, oh, I, I watched that show all the time. I never missed an episode of that show. It's really good. It's really funny. At, at a certain point, it was on in the morning when I got up to get ready for school, and it was on in the evening after like the local news or something. I feel like that show was they syndication did them good. Oh yeah, it's like six. Which seasons. is great because they do nothing now. No, they don't. They don't need to. They have like a, they had 120 episodes or something of that show. Oh my god. Yeah, because <laughs> back when TV seasons were like 24 episodes, 30 episodes. So yeah, those 30 minute shows for the syndication purposes. So uh, cool, cool, cool. I would also say Netflix is doing right by 90s black TV. Well, I was I was having this conversation with Katie too about like, and also we watched all that. Like I was, yeah. we were exposed to so much more. I feel like on because I only had like you know I didn't wasn't allowed to have cable, but like network television had a lot of shows that were, you know, like 90s black shows. We had, you know, more representative of the world that we lived in. So much, it was, it was crazy. Yeah. You know, and it wasn't considered a black show. No, you know, it was like show. now, it, now it gets to be like, oh, okay, that's a black show. Yeah, that's true. That's um, a different perspective. And maybe that's my eight-year-old brain and how I interpreted it, which was just like, this is, yeah, I don't so, think, or no one was talking about it that way. We have perhaps without knowing it, lapsed into a pretty natural transition to our first break. Because when we come back, we're going to start talking about 1989's context behind that album. But that album is drenched intentionally in nostalgia, mm-hmm. right? Not for 1994, because that's, that's just me being weird. Oh, just the year but you were for, born. Just for the year that I was born, yeah. So this episode's really about me. Who the hell cares about Taylor Swift? It was like, take a quick break. We'll be right back with the Lee Park. Yeah, I'm weak, baby. I couldn't breathe and rub. 
welcome back. Uh, we're gonna actually talk about our uh, all the reason why everyone came, right? Is to talk about Taylor Swift's 1989 album. I'm from excited. 2014. Can you hear or, it in my voice? You know, uh, yeah, <laughs> super. This was, you know, it's funny that like this is self-inflicted, right? We chose, it is. <laughs> and I'm actually we don't have, excited to talk about it. We don't have like overseer producers. Um, it's us. We are the. We are it, and uh, we chose to do this. Uh, it's also this is dangerous territory, Brandon, because if we don't speak highly, like this, of any of the people to speak ill of, yeah, this would be the one not to do it. Are right? they coming for us, the Swifters? The Swifties? What are they, what are they called? Do you think she's sponsored by the the Swiffer company? Do you think she's trademarked Swifties? <laughs> I mean, she's kind of. It's okay. You know, this is bad. Uh, we should. <laughs> That's not good. You want to start it over? Yep. Okay, cool. We'll start it over. <laughs> Just completely. No, we're not, what, are you pausing? No, I didn't pause. Okay, good. Touch it. Oh, God, don't. Yeah. Uh, so, things that people probably already know about this album released in October of 2014 and spawned six singles. David, I don't know anything about music really at all, but is it uncommon to have that many singles for one album, especially modern day? Yeah, usually it's what, three? Well, the first single comes out in October of 2014, and then okay. the last one doesn't come out until uh, January of 2016. And when you say comes out, right? Like, when does like, the album come out? The album is released October 27th right. of 2014. But in terms of songs that are being played on the radio, is that what you're saying? Well, the As idea of like intentionally releasing singles, like here's the new single from Taylor Swift's 1989. Like, that's a lot of singles, isn't it? But like that's like modern music though. Like there is no, isn't that the trend? Like does it's not this. That's like the old way of music of like you have a hit single and albums are secondary, only to put right. Yeah, no, you're 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 right. Right, and now it's like, and she was she was putting this album out when that there was a big change, like post two thousand, a big change in how the record industry was being run, especially with streaming services that she had lots of beef with. True, that's true. Um. And so you can put an out, you can put a song. I mean, how many times does someone, I mean, how's Justin Timberlake not taking advantage of this? I feel like because he doesn't like to do music. He, I don't know if you, if you heard, but he doesn't have talent anymore. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. It's just not. So there you go. Uh, oh, but in terms of, in terms of transitions, you do, you bring up an interesting point about where Taylor Swift is uh, in this changing music landscape. This is also her first intentionally pop album right we know that she's achieved yeah. early success as a country pop artist with sort of crossover appeal now here's the thing about crossover i'm not really sure how i feel about that label of crossover you know what i mean there's like this shameless desire to accrue more fans it's like i'm gonna go and and yeah. take all of those people from you now as well it's like risk but then, music but do you feel like this is this is maybe this mean this is what i know uh but like the crossover usually is coming from female artists in the in country and that are crossing over. Right, I think about Faith Hill. Do you see that happening? Twain. And uh, what's your face from American Idol? Um, Carrie Underwood. Kelly Clarkson. Kelly Clarkson, Avril Lavigne. <laughs> they're like, all former country singers. Kelly Clarkson right, did not. That... Carrie Underwood, yes. Kelly Clarkson Underwood, was okay. not. She was just a pop singer. She has those, okay. that background and, those, and she's explored those roots, I think, later on. But in terms of competition, she was just billed as she can belt. She's got a really big voice. That was Kelly. Carrie Underwood was unabashedly country. Okay. And Christian. Okay. Yeah. But well, I think you're right. Proves your point. It does. Do you know any? Yeah, because I'm like trying to think of crossover male artists besides Garth, Garth Brooks, who still doesn't right. really cross over in the way that that someone even like Shania Twain or Faith Hill. Would. No, because he still wears the hat. You know, <laughs> it's, the hat. it's the hat that's holding him back from mainstream. Yeah, because. But you still, it is, you still see him and you see someone wearing a country, uh, a singer, singer with a cowboy hat sure. and that is country. But if you're selling out the Edward Jones Dome, I think you're doing all right. Well, you know, that's, that's Missouri. So who, wow. you know, I don't know. I, I don't mind. Well, I like Garth Brooks. I don't have anything against him. I'm just saying a country star could sell out. And that's true. There's yeah. a demographic. Um, There's certainly demographic. Uh, getting back to Taylor Swift though, we know that this is named for her, my birth year as a way of sort of, of beginning to assert herself and mark the beginning of a full creative period of independence, right? She's, she's taking the reins from other producers who might've had a heavier hand in, in guiding her legacy. And she's starting to take the reins herself, which is respectable, right? 
Yes. Uh, yeah. Keep going. Yes, but I have I have some theories. What do you got? Keep going. No. What do you got? Well, I feel like that's the narrative, but is that actually <laughs> is it conspiracy theory time? Well, no. I think it's like that's the narrative, and that's what's being marketed. If I'm to get really you know, hot take right already. But the idea of the, I think that she is someone that knows how to play a money game so well. Like she knows, like if I come off as like, everyone's attacking me, but I'm stronger because of it. I'm in charge of my own career. I'm making all these decisions. That's why people like her. She has a, she hasn't, I mean, I know that I'm being very generalized here, but but I think I just distrust people that make that much money in the music industry. I do because it's not, it's not how much can you believe a teenager? I mean, she's in her early twenties at this point to have all of that. Right. Yeah. She's, she's going to all the big name producers like Max Martin, who was Britney's. um, He's a genius behind hit me baby one more time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Brilliant. And she's like, all right, you did well. So I want to do the same thing for me. Right. So if she was really this independent person and really, (laughs) you know what I mean? If she was really this independent music maker, would she be, would that be the route she would go? Or if, I mean, granted now she's making like pseudo indie with her recent album. Well, but if she's like a, if your intention as an artist is to find someone that can channel your writing abilities and your your ability to craft a pop song into mainstream pop success i don't think it's i I find myself apologizing for taylor swift which i did not think would happen especially not this early in the episode but i would think if you have her abilities her natural abilities and you're looking to cross over and expand your your fan base you go looking for people who have a hand in doing that so i i think it's possible to believe that narrative i think i don't know how the hell i ended up being the person who is defending this choice but i think it's possible to do that i I agree it's possible but it's (laughs) also (laughs) very i think it's equally as possible to distrust it you have doubts it's an incredibly at times overly produced album oh absolutely i I, it's so clean that it feels plasticky and that feels if she is the one that's fighting against the producers right which is apparently the narrative right max martin is like you know usually i just you know I tell people to do this right. and they do, and they it. do it. But then he then he's like, then the 10% that say go to hell, they usually are strong enough to know that their music is going to be better because they're not listening to me. Right. And he's like, Taylor Swift is one of those people. And I'm like, what? I think she might be. <sighs> okay. Uh, All right. And, you know, know, and I, I I've also more. had the benefit of listening to the deluxe edition of 1989. Yeah, because there's like 70 editions. Which I plan to talk one. about. Because it's another just another way to make a stupid amount of money um hey everybody's gonna make money. people double triple dip in your own albums which again i do that all the time i've bought <laughs> i you know it's like uh tommy lee jones and men in black where you know where he's sitting there with uh, a mini disc as, as you remember that the, he's got the mini disc uh-huh. he's showing will smith the mini disc and will smith there's another bridge he's like okay. he's like oh yeah this new bridge. format this, this new format this tiny little mini disc he's like that well now i gotta buy the white album again that's what he says. And I was like, yep, you just keep on double dipping, triple dipping. Well, you got to have it on every format. On that note, <laughs> on the dipping note, we'll take another quick break. When we come back, I think it's time for us to dive into faves and least faves and talk about a couple particular songs. Ooh, boy. David, yeah? Ooh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. You just heard uh, a Taylor Swift deep cut. Uh, you know, well, Jim, take it off. This is a song that maybe you've never heard before, unless you um, exist in the world. And um, if not, though, then you haven't heard it. But if you do, then it's everywhere. I, I can't escape it. Last week, I was watching this movie. I hate that song so much. I know. Oh my god. Oh, Talk about because that. It reminds you of like it just oh, it, oh uh. um it was it's everywhere. It was in this movie Little Monsters. It was the one with the little Yeah. And like that's like a big plot point is like that they're <laughs> the song is a plot point. That they're playing um Lupita uh Luango? 
yeah she's in it and she's like playing the song to little kids on her ukulele and they're all it's like her, their favorite song oh and like, you know, i've never yeah, seen i'm like that. i was like i was like i can't escape the song is everywhere i got no plans but um uh i know it's really fair but it's one of those things where i guess i'm gonna contextualize my i'm gonna okay let's let's i'm gonna invite you to share your (laughs) okay friend before i start going down a road here david has been so hyped up i love doing this because david and i are so we're close but seeing him get excited for such different reasons for these albums has been great (laughs) i I always think like you text me a couple days ago i "I think i'm working through some things with this album (laughs) (laughs) what does that even mean because well because we because the whole one of the points of this show is to you know lay down judgment right sure and And exercise demons (laughs) seriously personal demons and and airs them out to the public um so but part of it is that it's taylor swift is historically an easy target right and is well at least like she's continually attacked by you know living in the age that she is too being a female pop star but also being in the world of the internet where her life is very much on display all the time right that's Um, true which is intentionally and not intentionally, but all of her relationships and everything. And also she sings all of her songs. Like she basically like, if you date her, like, you know, you're going to be in at least a song. Yeah. I mean, even what is it? Blank space references that, right. Get along list of ex lovers. They'll tell you I'm insane. The the sense of, yes, I get what the rap is, but that's, that's true. But you, you asked me about my fave. So I'll start by saying, (laughs) (laughs) I'll start by saying I had a hard time finding my way into this album and it, it took me a while to even start listening to songs. Too. Just because I didn't know what to think of it. And I I was thinking, yes, Swift and I were the same age, but maybe this music isn't for me. I, I sort of felt the same way I, that I initially felt about Billie Eilish, or as Braden affectionately refers to her, Billie Eilash. And I was thinking, okay, so this is this is different. And those two are not related musically, but they're both this is different. It's not good or bad, but it's sort of foreign to me. At least I find Billie Eilish so much more. She's more interesting, yes. So much more interesting and intriguing. But in her appeal, aesthetically and as far as content goes, to a different group of people, like I am not the the target audience necessarily for Billie Eilish, and I I felt the same way uh, in terms of Taylor Swift's cadre of fans. Like I, I don't know if this was musicals for me, even though we're in the same age group. I feel like it was being made for someone different until. January of 2015, and I promise you I'm getting to my favorite song. Uh, so this, the album comes out in 2014. We know that singles went on forever. In 2015, I started dating Brayden. Style was released in February of 2015, and I immediately, I was totally obsessed with that song. Like At that point, I, David, I got it. I totally understood this wicked, terrifying craziness of being in love, especially this like, sort of new, young love obsession that she has in that song and I started thinking you know being in love in terms of the song style it's big right it's it's sort of like cinematic and it's obnoxious and it's awesome and we all know it and and we can't help it right it's sort of all encompassing and I think the song it tells us among other things that sometimes being in love is so surreal that you fall back on these really trite but actually totally appropriate cliches about fast cars and about James Dean, not Jimmy Dean. He's the guy with the sausage. Uh, but love is dangerous and it's irresistible. <laughs> when you are in love, you feel young and you feel invincible. The love feels invincible. And the song style makes me feel that way. The lyrics, the sort of throbbing rhythm, that staccato chorus that I can't get enough of. I mean, let's, let's listen to this clip really quickly. Here's, here is the, the chorus from style. You got that James Dean daydream look in your eye And I got that red lip classic thing that you like And when we go crashing down, we come back every time we never go out of style, we never go out Okay, so I get that it sometimes sounds a little like a placid, like, kids' bop version of M83's Midnight City. <laughs> You know what I'm talking yes. about? Yeah, right. Oh my you know, gosh. Yeah, that's exactly no city. That's that's what it is, right? It's like a soft serve version of an actual pop song. Uh, but I love that song uh, style because it's epic. You know, it's it's everything I felt and still feel about that person 
who is larger, who looms larger in your life than anyone else, even though they're sitting right next to you. Like I, that song nails that, that feeling for me better than any other song on the album, as far as I'm concerned. My runner up is Wildest Dreams, which has really clever lyrics, but it's got a chorus that sort of misses the mark just a little bit, I think. Tell me, uh, give me your thoughts. Come, get at. Well, I like that. This, this is my, I was grappling with this too, because I, this is the first album that I've actually listened to of Taylor Swift, right? <laughs> yeah, so, fair enough. I mean, it's like, the, but that's because you can't avoid it, right? It's everywhere. This, this stuff's everywhere. So then you, and also as a teacher of teenagers, that, that makes it, you know, doubly in your face all the time. Okay, fair. And so it just gets to be kind of annoying. I don't know. Maybe that's, I don't know. But also, um, I feel like my attitude towards some pop music is that it's just, it's earworms. So I don't know if mm. I, I can't, I can't, I can't determine whether or not I actually like the song or it's so catchy that I'm thinking about it all the time. That but isn't there, a, we fell into this conversation a couple nights ago with Braden and Katie, but isn't that a form of, of craftsmanship that you can create something. I know we, I know it's jingle, yeah, but there's an artistry like to that. Double mint gum. <laughs> sure. But does that mean it's good? Um, okay. That, that's my thing. But you know, and I was, I, you know, I'm trying, I'm, I am trying to <laughs> be like, understand. I'm really uh, genuinely trying. Now, I, I, like, I did so much research for this, and, like listened to all of her stuff. If this was a blockbuster movie. <laughs> yeah. Right. I would be so much more open to enjoying and I know that it's just a big budget like feel good kind of ex experience you know like a big time blockbuster where you know that it's not going to be meaningful and change your life necessarily but it's going to be a really fun thing that you're going to remember for a while probably right okay no I'm with you okay what really kind of sold me was listening to the voice memos and her tiny desk concert okay and listening to her um, Wait, are you saying that you had a you you've reconsidered based on these? these yes, I did my. Okay. This is what this is why I texted you. Yeah. I was like, I'm really trying to re-understand. Like, you know, okay, and and you discovered that she's her like just her singing her regular voice, uh -huh. which is a big difference uh -huh. than half uh -huh. of the songs on this on this album, uh -huh. and then just her playing guitar is really good. And something I was like, I would if someone said you want to go see Taylor Swift, and this is what it was. Heck yeah, I'd go see an there unplugged concert. I'd pay. Of, yeah, I'd pay money to go see a Taylor Swift unplugged concert. Absolutely. And that's what I find to be where the, my beef is now with Taylor Swift, I guess. It's I don't not. have beef. But you know what I mean? Like, in terms of, like, why I don't like, it's just, that's what I would rather hear. And that's me as, I guess, an oldie, right? Even though she's, like, basically my age. Um, but then, then can you objectively, you're talking about a subjective approach. Can you objectively call that, earworm good or bad if you are if you're already acknowledging that it's because that's what you want and not what other people want you want the stripped down version because that sounds yes, good to you but I just know. because it's not stripped down that doesn't necessarily make it not good it's, it's still the same base okay. of the music and you know that because you listen to the voice memos oh, the God, melody was written by her yes i know and that's what's so good but then and the lyrics Brandon, I don't know. I think you're fighting against I yourself. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. You, you also haven't broken. told me what your favorite song is yet. My favorite song is "Style." Oh, that was my okay. favorite. I written down, and it sucks because you already had it. But like, well, tell okay, me about it. You didn't fall in love with Braden in January of 2015. No. That was later. Uh, no. It, yeah. No. I was. That was later. <laughs> I really liked the sound i felt like it felt like um what did i write it, it just felt like a, an amalgamation of several big 80s pop songs mm -hmm. you know and, and this is me going down the wormholes like all right well those songs are sometimes kind of fun cotton candy kind of kind of songs right and i would still like them and say that's a great song even though it's not any more of substance than than a taylor swift single potentially right and she's using a very popular you know, at that time still 80s was like peak right of yeah. nostalgia 2014 like peak nostalgia so she's writing that high too yep um and then i also think it's it's one with i, th I think the lyrics are pretty solid they're they're I clever I, I think the, i think the meaning is clever and i also think it, i think it's 
this is maybe people think this is why it's lame, but I think it's really clever that it's about Harry Styles and his name style. I think that's I think that's a fantastic metaphor. Okay, I me, love that. Here's I was gonna <laughs> I was gonna bring that up because I think any opportunity to bring up Harry Styles for any any myriad of reasons is okay by me. But is that do we have confirmation of that? I know it's it's clever and it's nice and it's sort of saccharine um, in a way that makes me a little queasy, but is that true? Uh, I think it is. That's what everyone. That's what all the people are saying. Okay, that's fair. Seems to have taken. It seems to have taken inspiration from her romance. I love Harry Styles. That's great. Referring, even referencing some of his band's music. So. Oh, I see. Um, and he, you know, the James Dean daydream, right? I mean, I feel like that's he's got some of that. He's got some of the James Dean hair going on. I prefer to have a Moon Age day, daydream. Ah, you know. Is it Moon Day daydream? Moon Age. Moon Age yeah, Moon Age. Yeah, okay. Moon Age, anyway, yeah. That's on the list somewhere. Um, so that's, you know. It, so style's your favorite. It is. I like the rhythm. I like the, I like the use of the um, synthesizers in this particular song. <laughs> I, don't think it, I don't think it works on all the songs, but I think it really works on this song. Yeah, I plan to talk a little bit about just this, this execution of, of ideas when we get to the hot take session. Uh, but we should probably move on to least faves just for the sake of time and sanity in our, our dear listeners' ears. <laughs> that song is fucking amazing. I, I will listen to that song any day of the week over and over and over again. In fact, I have. So what is, what is the song, Brandon, that you would not listen to? Uh, Welcome to New York, for the love of God. Oh, my God, I hate that song so much. And I've, I've listened to it more times maybe than, than any other song besides Style or Wildest Dreams because I kept trying to listen to the entire album straight through over and over and over again. So I had to get through that whale of a song. Here's the deal. Mm. If you know a song is going to be bad and she's a good songwriter, I maintain that. So she must know that this song is not good. Certainly do us the courtesy of making it shorter, of keeping it brief. Well, how long is it? Where is it? Where does it? I don't it... know. It's probably like three minutes or something. I don't care. I thought it was less than, I thought it was still, I thought it was still a shorter song, but it's, it exists, and therefore it's too long. <laughs> How about that? Okay. And originally, I was going to say I, I, that I don't understand the song, but not understanding something, and certainly not an excuse to bash it. Plus, it's not true. I do understand the song. I just find it dull and weak and lacking in creativity. I mean, here's the deal: Sinatra has already done this for us, right? If I can make it there, I can make it anywhere. It's up to you, New York, New York. He did it. He did it better. He did it in a bow tie. You know? Right. That's all I'm saying. Agreed. Agreed. And those songs, you know, that gets played at every single Yankees game. As well it should. You know After every Yankees win, you yeah. do New York, New York. But it's, it's all the worst tendencies of this album combined in one song, and it happens to be the opener. So it's surprising that this album did as well as it did, because as an opener, I think it bombs. It's a dud. It's like a, it's like a oh, what do you call it? Um, like a forward. Uh, where it's like, hey, I just wanted to let you. I just want to let you know that, like, I, you know, you don't really want to read me, but I'm gonna put it in there anyway, so you can skip it or you can read it, take it or leave it. But I'm gonna tell you what was going on in my life, how I was transitioning into this, into this album, geographically, and also, wouldn't it be fun to write about New York because everyone? Does yeah, it? I mean, okay. Here's um, a, I want part of that. Here's a clip from the song, and. I'm, we're only playing just a small snippet of it so you can get a sense of how trite I find. I know I use that word a couple of times, but it just seems so appropriate here. How trite she can be and have it not carry over and not work, you know? So just a little snippet here. Right, David, like no one needed that in your life. The lights are never too bright for me. Thank you so much for unearthing yet another terrible diary entry and making us listen to it as the first thing we hear on your new album. That's, not, that's probably the worst criticism. You know, but then again, Taylor Swift is all about making music for herself, right? It's all about her making it for her. So whatever, <laughs> you want to buy it? That's, she's so humbled. She's so humbled if you buy it, but she's making the song. It's, it's that's sort of a rock and roll lyrics. attitude. I like that. Right. It's very, it's a very personal thing, right? That. She's just, she, she jumped the shark essentially and decided to go into pop music <laughs> for whatever reason. I missed that phrase. You say it's because if you want to say it's because country music is really hard out there, 
it's really hard out there for a T Swift. Um, so, you know, she jumped that. And then also she is notoriously, well, not notorious, that's not fair. She is a, she's known for her diary entry. True. Lyrics, and and right? that was maybe Incredibly a low, personal. that was a low blow for me because I do think again, that she is a talented songwriter and she's, she's, she's a talented lyricist at times. This is not one of those moments. This is by far for me, the worst song on the album. How about you? Well, and the new romantics, I hated. <laughs> That's uh, your least favorite. I felt, I felt, I felt it was so. I mean, I know it's okay. Look, I get it's kind of it's a it's like satire, right? I get it, but it, you know, it just feels like I was born in I was born in December. She was born in what? I I was talking as Taylor December there. of nineteen eighty nine. December of nineteen eighty nine. Taylor Swift. It is the year is nineteen eighty nine. I am it's born. It's December, December of 1989. So I'm going to act like that's my link back to the 80s nostalgia of like John Hughes movies. She's just which, on the cusp of not at all. Yeah. yeah it, you know I mean, I'm like, okay, so I, do you have 80s nostalgia if you don't even know anything until I'm 1996 technically older than she is and I don't. Right. So uh, anyway, but so it just feels like this is like, you know what? I'm going to really drive home the fact that this was 80s. I'm going to talk about the 80s. I'm going to really like get us all together on some arena anthem about what it's like to be in the 80s. Uh, and you know what? I, I'm going to do it again, David. I don't know where this is coming from. But if, if I were an apologist, and I'm not because I'm unpaid, but if I were an apologist for Taylor Swift, I might say it doesn't matter how old I am or what era I'm tapping, or the fact that I'm tapping into an era that I wasn't alive and conscious for (laughs) but that i'm trying to evoke the romanticism that the 80s typically exudes when we talk about it and that that is synonymous with the same sort of eternal timeless idea of that young hyperbolic terrifying you know disgusting weird totally fucking absurd love thing that she is also spending a lot of time and energy writing about like the 80s for her is the structure through which she can talk about this other stuff. But isn't 80s pop like supposed to be on some level ironic because of how shitty the 80s were? Like economically, racially, yeah. like, so, and then like, you know, all the, you so, know, the Reagan eras. So how is it not possible so, that she's drawing on all of that? Because 2014 just seems like a real nice time right now. <laughs> 2020. I'm like, you know what, Taylor? You didn't even know what you had. No, I just, I just mean if, she, um, if she's looking for a way to frame that the experience of love or the experience of these relationships, and she has a particular sound in her head, she thinks, oh, how, what age or what era or what sound marries these two concepts? Oh, it's 80s synth pop. That's my vehicle to get these ideas out. But that's my argument against you. Here's my argument against myself. Because that's the fun part. Is she conscious of that framework? Like, is she in on the joke? You know, it's like, she, is she actively commenting on these eccentricities and the fact that she's nostalgic for an era that she wasn't actually a part of? Is she, is her tongue firmly planted in cheek and she's behind the curtains working the gears? Or am I missing the point entirely? And is it something completely different that is much less thoughtful? I don't know, David. I'm, those are the ideas that are in front of us. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, how old is she? How old is she at this point? Um, 22. Six years ago. Ish. No, she's oh, 30. We're, I'm 31, David. She's 24. Oh my God, 24. I can't do math. She's in her mid-20s. She's 24. So, okay. So, I mean, she's, is that when you start to become a little more realistic in terms of what it's like to be in a relationship and you I think you also there's like a I talked to maybe it was Braden maybe it was Michael but I said at 24 I felt extremely mature like maybe it was because of things that was happening that were happening in my my life but I felt more mature at 24 than I do right now there was like a I'm in my mid-20s and now I'm an adult and I've got a full-time job and I I don't know. Maybe some of that's in there. Maybe I'm overthinking it because I'm, I'm looking for a way to give respect to this album. I think it's pop. I have more questions, as in most cases, uh, than I do answers at this point. But I, I, I'm not sure we can, we can toss her off as quickly or as easily as 
we might want. She's a very good songwriter. She's really great in terms of, like, just not just, not lyrically-ish. Yes, the lyrics match her melodies. I think her melodies are fantastic. Mm-hmm. And she has perfected, like, her version of pop, which I think is in of itself hard, right? Especially she's made, what, 10 albums at this point? And she's still... Sure. Like, that was her... I don't know. What am I trying to say? I guess that she's still incredibly successful right so what she's doing is working right and there has to be some credence that to sell on some level right not you know that, that she is still able to do because there's so many bands that when they get to like their third album fourth album they've lost Tank, it or they're yeah. you know but are is that because they're taking more risks or is that because they're doing more of the same right uh, um and is she doing is she ta- is this a risk at all to go into pop is this risk it could be i, I think it could be because <clears throat> especially having listened to that Tim McGraw song this morning that I'd never heard before. She has country twang, there are banjos in the background. That's a safe spot for her. And she was extremely successful and still making headway in, in mainstream pop while billed as a country music star. This album permanently removes her from that sphere. She's not going to be nominated for best country album for 1989. So it's a big risk because if it doesn't work, where's she going to go? Yeah. <laughs> just, you know, no, give her that. So I just have a lot of inner conflict about this. That's fair. I guess, because it's not that I won't allow myself to like it. It's just, I don't, this is not something I would want to choose to listen to really at any given time of my life. Because honestly, I often have to listen to it without any choice whatsoever because it's literally it's everywhere. everywhere. Yeah, it is. Um, and then I think about her contemporaries too, of like at that time, should we, oh wait, we, should we do a transition or should we? <laughs> we should do a transition. I think we should. A, blah, a break. We should take a break. We should pull back, reset, consider, have some water. Who knows? We'll be right back with more Lakes of Heart. You can't keep these wild eyes on the road. Welcome back, everybody. You just heard another clip from the song Style from Taylor Swift's 1989, number 995 from 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die, as David would say. Uh, Over the break, David and I were just discussing how this album came to be in terms of the sort of circumstances or the the framework, the fabric that this fits into in terms of musical landscape. And David, you had some more thoughts about that? Well, uh, you know, it was interesting considering what how what pop was just six years ago yeah and what is considered and what is like the big pop big pop stars even four years later um i mean you could do the math there and figure out maybe a couple of reasons why but you have this turn to darker more depressed type of pop music mm-hmm. um slower like like billy eilish right which Again, maybe again, maybe that's why I am in, more into Billie Eilish than I would be a Taylor Swift. That Taylor Swift's youthful optimism feels like uh, I don't know. Do you think that it just feels so bubblegummy pop, almost to a point where I was like, "Yeah, we're all in it together. This is so nice." And I'm like, "That I just can't." And this is also the first time I'm listening to this stuff, right? And if I listen to that in 2014, which feels like a really great year compared to now, then I might be like, <laughs> "Fair yes. enough." Everything is looking up. We're going in the right direction. Yeah. This is great. I'm on board. Um, that, you know, we have Katy Perry, who a couple of years earlier had, um, what was her, what was her, what was that big album of hers? That Teenage was Dream. Teenage, Teenage Dream, yeah. yeah. Which was all just like sugar high kind of happiness. Um, Do you, I just think about this now. Do you see Billie Eilish as a sort of cultural, musical cultural response to Taylor Swift? Billy Eilish comes out, eyelash. Eilish comes out in what, 2018? Uh, uh, probably earlier than that. I just, we were watching the beginning of that documentary and in one of the opening, Miss Americana, uh, in the opening clip, Taylor Swift is sitting on a couch and she's told by her manager that she was not nominated for any Grammys for her album Reputation. 
And her response was, I just, I got to make a better album. But I'm wondering if that is, it's like, okay, the reign of Taylor Swift is not over necessarily, but here's the response. Being challenged. Musically. But it's being challenged by someone who's 12 years younger than her, right? <laughs> the next generation. God. Right. Disgusting, right? And we're sitting here in our mid-30s being like, what the hell? Um, You're in your mid-30s. I'm in my early so 30s. She, okay. Thank you for, thank you for that. Welcome. I was trying to, okay. Appreciate that. <laughs> no, so Billie Eilish had t- songs come out in 2016. Um, don't smile at me. So, which again, this is the name of that song. The title, <laughs> Don't Smile at totally Me. Totally different. Yeah. Right. Consider, you know, everything is Taylor Swift is like. Well, the lead single from Reputation from 2018 was Look What You Made Me Do, which was sort of fully buying into those appropriative behaviors that she had already exhibited when with Shake It Off, even, you know? Sure. Yeah. So is she being influenced by the pop that's happened before yep. her or is she, or, and do we see any of her actually influencing pop mm, after? No. Or is she just reactionary? Yeah. We see that on folklore too. And I've even listened to it. So I probably should. Oh yeah. Fol- folklore sounds like but you've listened to Taylor it. Swift's version of Lana Del Rey where everything's moody and like indie, which is like, <laughs> okay, it's not bad. It's just I, different. You know, it's foreign. Just like okay, this is where. So that makes me also distrust. Mm-hmm. Again, she's just switching genres to capitalize on. Which again, she's not going to be making the nearly the amount of money on this album that she is on something like a 1989. But 1989 would fall flat on its face if it was turned out in, in 2020. 2000. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's it just the pop has to feel like the time it comes out, and it would feel so out of place. The 80s nostalgias were peaking. Right, like, I mean, come on, Stranger, Stranger Things is like in season four or five. Like, you know that shows. Yeah, four is coming, hopefully. Um, so like, we're already running out of things to say about the '80s, where we're starting to do '90s. Like, you know, oh, that'll be sweet. Can't wait for that. I mean, they're already making shows like uh, Pen Fifteen. That's you know about two thousand. Season two coming what next week? Can't wait. Yep. and that's right. That's that's where we're at now. So yeah, that's that's an interesting perspective of just about where that is. And in terms of its legacy. So speaking of that, what would you say the legacy of this album is in terms of staying power? Do you, I guess, really the question is, would you own it on vinyl? That's the question. No, I would not. I wouldn't. I don't see, uh, maybe this is part of what I own it in general. Yeah. And the answer is no. I don't think so. Because I, I honestly, I'd rather listen to something from the 80s, like an authentically 80s. Yeah, like uh, Tom Petty's Don't Come Around Here No More, which is 80s synth pop <laughs> at its finest. Or like so any, good. like, you know, 80s pop, uh, 80s pop, like, playlist I'd rather listen to. Um, but I just don't, it just doesn't feel like the need to hear it on the, in that format. Yeah, that's fair. I wouldn't own it on vinyl either. Would you give it a repeat listen? Sure. Yeah. Sure. No problem. Yeah, so I mean, I listened to it like, I mean, I did listen to it like a hundred times in the last two weeks and those songs are permeating into my dreams. Like every song, <laughs> just, like, it's a different song every time that's now, you know, soundtracking my, my unconscious time. What, uh, <laughs> let's, let's do best time to listen. What's the, what's the best time for you to listen? I mean, this is, Honestly, it makes me feel like going to the mall. Yes, it, well, it, 80s. It, it, yeah, that's exactly. I mean, it's, a, it's, working on, it's working on levels that I didn't have a choice, I guess. Like, it's, it makes me feel like I should go to the mall. I'm going, picking out clothes. It's just something, like, I've literally never done. Like, I don't do that. <laughs> I mean, okay, I've, I've done it, but I avoid it. I hate going to shopping. But this would be clothes. your soundtrack. But this, this album, and honestly, I probably wouldn't even need to put it in because it's probably being played at all the clothing stores in some way, yeah. right? I imagine the department store is blaring. Totally. Shake it off. And then there's like a hundred seventh graders that are also doing TikToks of this song somewhere. No? Okay. Uh, probably. I, unfortunately. Uh, what about you? Where I would you? say where? it's in terms of listening, certainly while moving, <laughs> you need to be moving uh, or, and or inebriate. Don't honestly. stop moving. Don't stop moving right? ever. Don't. Yeah. Uh, Don't stop. Can't stop. What is the, what is the lyric? I, I don't know. It's from Shake It Off. Come on. Oh, I don't know. Why would I know those lyrics? All right, folks. We're going to take one more break. When we come back, (laughs) we'll talk about MVPs, hot takes, 
and preview next week's episode. And by next week, I mean the next time we get a chance to record and publish. We'll be right back. snippet of of Taylor Swift's blank space during the break my good friend David and I and you know folks David's a good man and he was just telling me that he's, he's been struggling with this when he doesn't want to come off as uh, a person who is sort of unabashedly bashing Taylor Swift so David you have the floor tell the folks what you're struggling with right tell us about your demons I, and your angels I'm I'm <laughs> I feel like David oh, okay. um, how much time do you have uh <laughs> So yeah, no, it's, it's, look, I'm, I'm trying to understand what is so good about it, but like also some of the reasons why I think something may not be my taste is obviously I understand that that's subjective sure. understand that, and then also I understand that that is for apparently millions of people, what they want. That's what they're here for. Right. <laughs> they listen, they, they buy that album. They're like, yeah, this is exactly right. what I want it for. And I, it's hard mainly if this was if this was if this was actually an album that came out in 1989 you know obviously barring some changes of some kind yeah I mean, would i think of it differently because it would have been a part of my childhood that would have grown up with this kind of attitude towards this nostalgic past but also working through my own current what love affairs I, I don't know it's like do i do i have any kind <laughs> of connection to this album really at all like this is such a foreign album to i me see okay in so many ways i'm with you that it feels like that. But then I'm like, okay, investigating, yes, great songwriter, great lyricist, and interesting. But then she'll do things <laughs> like say, this sick Yes, yes. So it's yes. so inauthentic. It's so inauthentic. And then that's not even my, that's not even my biggest gripe lyrically. What? Right? Is my biggest gripe lyrically is when she rhymes bad blood with mad love. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that makes me cringe when she's like, baby, we had mad love. Oh my oh god, my that's so terrible. But they did, they got um, mad love. love. That's it's like she doesn't talk like that. No. You know what I mean? It's like she when she says no, things true. like the sick beat or any of that, which I get is maybe supposed to be you you can read it either way. Like she's well, she knows when she says no. it that it's inauthentic well, and it's awkward to her. I I don't think you can. Because I ask myself the following question when listening to said song. What sick beat, Taylor? Where is the sick beat, Taylor? Is it the one that you're trying to clumsily co-opt from the black community without giving it credit? Is that the one, Taylor? Which I think is- what you are struggling with and what I am to a lesser extent and more comedically struggling with is, is sort of being mis- misplaced generationally. There's a bias that you and I have that just comes from the taste of, and style of music that we like. And regardless of how objective we might try to be, the subjectivity of our tastes is always going to poison to some extent how we feel about mainstream pop music, which is exactly what Taylor Swift music is. And I, I don't think that's a disservice to her or even a slight to her to say that it's mainstream pop music because that's what she wants it to be. She's trying to appeal to stadiums. She, I cannot believe yeah. that she doesn't sometimes sit down and write certain portions of her songs out of the woods, style, all the streams, and think, oh, this is the part of the song where everyone in the stadium is going to stand up and be yelling these words back at me, you know? But I think that's okay. I think it's, I do think there's a goodness to that music. It's just not necessarily what you and I would reach for voluntarily. And that's what you're struggling with. Yeah, I mean, I get it. Okay, it serves its purpose. All right. And it makes lots of money doing it. So you're gonna get me off of this? Is that what you're 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 gonna gonna do? Okay, fine. I'm going to shift you toward the end. Help me. Help me. If you're talking about MVPs, young David, who you got? Okay. This is always hard, right, for me, because I don't, I don't want to give it to the producer at all, which is, I, I think that I don't like Max Martin's production. But you got beef with him, maybe one more time? Uh, no, I, that's, you know, 20 years earlier. That's a great <laughs> song. Uh, but I think that when you're changing her voice to something that feels plasticky. Yeah. So many songs, like so, many of the songs that I 
don't like have like it's like who is singing right like i can't even i could I w- if you played me 20 songs of different i wouldn't be able to pick her song out of a lineup because her voice is like it's got no character left so they've taken it from her um but i th- i want to say that it's her voice memos i think her voice memos are the MVP, <laughs> are the MVP? because i think i didn't yes of the, of the whole album because i think that in terms of it shows who she is as a songwriter it it's also true. shows that she is always it seems like she's she's just making album after album like while she's touring she's like hop into cities yeah, like oh are you that's in, a good point you're in are you in new york i'm gonna make this one song with you right oh are you in sweden i'm gonna i'm gonna make a couple songs with you like because she's like you're on my way i'm gonna be really efficient i've been cranking out these songs because that's what i do and she's doing it through like her what one of her albums the one that's um three or three albums ago now i think or last album lover maybe it was lover? i don't she, I don't know. she just she writes it all on like one instrument and sings and writes all the lyrics and sings it right yeah. like i think that's that's pure songwriting right there which i really enjoy um and it doesn't feel like it's just it it's a more raw sounding genuine sounding piece of music well and i yeah. think that that's and i think that's the mvp because that is what the basis is for every song that she does on this album whatever you know max martin obviously made it into like a bajillion dollar making album <laughs> which is what he's sure. supposed to be doing right which is awesome that he did that but it's still you can only put so much lipstick on a pig right yeah, and so there no no, no. <laughs> taylor swift the um, songwriter is your mvp yes okay were you cheating were you looking at, is that you, not no fair? were you, were you, you looking you, at my notes you look disappointed i'm disappointed because no, you stole my you, shit oh my i didn't even i didn't read your notes no. let me read to you verbatim my notes <laughs> now i'm not gonna do that that would be terrible <laughs> but the first thing says this also doubles as my hot take number one but it's not so hot of a take if my partner has already <laughs> said this but mine says taylor swift the songwriter slash idea person is my mvp <laughs> God damn it. Sorry. I but what does that say that we're both so aligned on this album? It says that we're old people who are trying to figure out why this music matters. But if you listen to the deluxe version of the album, as David has already told you, you'll hear several voice memos. And the voice memo for Blank Space, where she's first running it through, if that's the first version of this song that I'd ever heard, I'd be obsessed with it. I'd be totally obsessed with it. It's stripped down because it's acoustic. It's sharp. It has personality. It's a really good song. And you can tell that she is just a channel for melodies, right? There are certain people, you and I talked about this and you looked at me like I had four eyes. McCartney, Richards, Sarah Vaughn to a certain extent, they just turn out melodies, like they get it. She, they're able to pluck out and combine these hypnotizing sounds. And Taylor Swift has that ability. There are interesting nuggets of ideas scattered throughout the entire album and it's mostly because of the the sort of foundational pieces that she brings to those songs songs that she wrote lyrics that she wrote and they pop up everywhere but for some reason something always like something in each of those songs except for style mucks those ideas up for me like it drowns them out somewhere or i get distracted from them by other like overproduced elements of the song but in terms of MVP, who's the most important person or most valuable person in this album, it's, it's the songwriter and lyricist Taylor Swift, not even necessarily the, the, the singer, because I don't love her voice. No, I, I feel like, I, I, like I said, I, I, I couldn't pick it out of a lineup. I feel like it's so, like, generic. I have an answer for you that, for your earlier question, by okay. the way. Your question was, how is it that we came to the same conclusion? It's because this is most what we value that we can find inherent value in in this kind of music, right? It's the, it's the lack of overproduction, the presence of what you call authenticity, which is really just an acoustic guitar. Um, but you know what I mean? Like that's, that's what it is. It's, genu- it's genuine, yeah. it feels more genuine. Like where can I find the parts like- that I like in this music? Oh, it's in the songwriting. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, but see, uh, it's an interesting, I keep bringing up Billie Eilish because I feel like we had this conversation pre-COVID in, in um, BC, I guess we'd call it before COVID, BC. 
um, where she was like about to, it was like the year of Billie Eilish, about to be, right? And she's winning all the Grammys uh-huh. and she's going to do another ridiculous stadium tour where she sells out everything in five seconds. And there was a conversation we had about like, should we go to yes. a Billie Eilish concert? We were, I think we, we were going to do a podcast was, about our experiences at that concert. Of just, of just Billie yeah. Eilish because it was this whole idea of like, she doesn't, we don't understand it. Right. And we want to understand it. it because everyone seems to be all about it. And that's music being made now seems to make us be out of the demographic for what pop music is aiming towards. And I'm fine with that. Honestly, I've got the podcast. <sighs> I've got Spotify. <laughs> I've got records. I, I'm good. I'm really good. I'm fine. Radiohead still making albums. They're good. Yeah. You know, They're when really you hit, good. When you hit the, when you hit 35, Brandon, maybe, I don't know, maybe there'll be a different, you'll be like, huh. Yeah, and then you can tell me what 40 is like. Because, yeah, I know, I can. It'll be great. Because isn't the demographic for, like, what's everyone aims for is, like, 18 to 35, like, in terms of making the it's most like money? 18 to 34, yeah. actually. Awesome. So I'm already out of the it. cut, I think. Great. Yeah. Awesome. That's, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, nothing, nothing being made now is for me, um, except for, like, CBS, I guess. Which is why you make your own content. Sure. Yeah, but you're, you know, you're not going to go watch Blue Bloods or whatever the hell it's called. Because I can't I got a mustache finally. now, so maybe. You, know, you and Tom I grew my Tom's. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we've had perhaps several unpopular opinions or hot takes. So many. But if I might add another. Please. It's not so much a hot take as it is a question. How is it possible that this album won album of the year at the Grammys. And I know we don't necessarily need to put a ton of stock into Grammys or awards at all, but if you might, if you might indulge me just, just for a second, Mm -hmm. I was thinking to myself when I first read that, how in the fuck did this album win album of the year with all the nice things I said about it? It's not probably the best album. If you wouldn't mind David, because I haven't done this already while I'm talking, will you look up the other nominees for 2016 album of the year? Sure thing. And while you're doing that, I'll tell the listeners, here, here are a few notable winners of Album of the Year, starting, so 1958 was the first time that the award was given out. In 1968, Sgt. Pepper won by the Beatles. In 1974, Inner Visions by Stevie Wonder. 1975, Fulfilling This First Finale by Stevie Wonder. 1977, Songs in the Key of Life by Stevie Wonder. Okay, so I just, I mentioned that because... He won an album of the year three out of four years in a row. And he didn't release an album in 1966, but Songs in the Key of Life was a double album, so we'll forgive him for that. 1984, Thriller. 1999, The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill. 2008, The River Letters by Irby Hancock. 2016, 1989's Taylor Swift. How is that possible? Ooh, and here, oh. So, okay, okay, so with that here, said, who are the nominees that year? Okay, uh, Record of the Year. This is not album, sorry, Album of the Year. Sound and Color, Alabama Shakes, as a great album. Yep. I love the Alabama Shakes. To Pimp a Butterfly, Kendrick oh Lamar's masterpiece of an album. Serious? Did not win. Um, Traveler by Chris Stapleton. Eh. 1989, Taylor Swift. Behind the Madness by The Weeknd. That's, That's it. That's a pretty good album. So you're telling me it beat out The Weeknd and it beat out To Pimp a Butterfly. To people, to people, oh my God, that album, hands down. I wasn't prepared for that particular segment of my rant because I didn't, for some reason, didn't look up the nominees for 2016, but she beat out Kendrick Lamar and then invited him to do a guest remix on Bad Blood. Another shameless appropriative tactic, by the way. <sighs> Just saying, that's, that's, that's my second optic. The first was that she's a great songwriter. <laughs> mad love, Brandon. Bad Blood, Mad Love. Plant oh, rhyme, right? It's Emily Dickinson at her finest. <laughs> um, hot takes? All right. I feel like I shouldn't give anymore. I feel like my whole thing has been hot takes. And I feel like I'd just be like piling on to, oh, and everything would just sound mean at that point. Um, you know, hot takes and also being. Oh, positive. here's 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 my hot take. Here's my hot take. I have it underlined. Ready? am I just spending too much time trying to figure out Taylor Swift? <laughs> like, is there, not, am, am I just thinking about it too hard? Like, is that the whole point? Is that I just take it or leave it, whatever, and not do this? And that's my hot take. Is it, 
is that I sh there isn't the depth that I'm looking for. Hmm. It okay. is just pop. It's a pop machine. She, it's so, a big machine. That, you know. So are you saying, wasn't that the name of her first record? Yes, that, that was, <laughs> okay. there you yeah. go. There's my, there's my. Uh, yeah. So are you saying that you're able to separate or isolate what you feel about the album in terms of personal interest or not and its objective goodness. All right, so we sort of dealt with this already, but a listen, a purchase, a pass. One last thing about a listen. There, it is it is a listen. It is a listen. Okay. I think I think you just you got to listen to it. I don't think that it is a purchase or a pass. Or a pass. <laughs> Here's what I'll say about the listen purchase purchase pass business. Give it a give it a listen. Go for a run. Give it a listen. Then take a shower. You know that's that's what I'll say. Move on with your lives. Go watch an episode of Grey's Anatomy. Uh, I think we're done now. That would be fitting. That would be actually fitting. I think that would. <laughs> I think we're done now, and I think this might end up being our <laughs> our last episode once we get all the hate mail. But speaking of mail, love us, hate us. Maybe drop us a voicemail on the old uh, the old anchor there. Yeah, David. Or you can you can email us at uh, late to the party nineteen eighty nine dot com. Yeah, I wonder what came first, Brandon or Taylor Swift? I did. Well, I guess biologically I'll tell you, it I was did. Brandon, but um, yeah. So you know we have Instagram late to the party, and so uh, please if you you know like what you're hearing, please. Uh, if you're listening this far again, I would imagine <laughs> you're liking what you're hearing or you've fallen asleep listening to us and then now you're waking up. But um, while you're up, please rate us on Apple. Us, uh, yeah, rate us an Apple podcast because you do that and we get we get more people from around the world, uh, you know, not just good old USA, but around the world to uh, listen to us. And it's kind of fun to hear um, where, where people are hearing us. So. If we do have another episode, if the, if the good podcast folks let us continue, our next episode is David. Drum roll, please. Actually, I'll do the drum roll. You give us the album. <laughs> I don't actually know how to do well, a drum roll. The next album <laughs> is the Speaker Pod. Just say "Love Below" uh, by the amazing hip hop group Outkast. What year is that? Two thousand four, oh I believe. God, number nine hundred forty. Yeah, that's that's um. No, 2003. 2003, okay. 2003, and this was a big double album, right? This was a huge thing. It has 40... It's also their last album. Yes, which was part of the thing, Biggest right? It has album. 40 tracks. Oh my God. And yeah, I've never it's going to be a long one. Both sides, all the way through. Mm -mm. So, no, that'll give us not. something to sink into. It's going to take quite some time to sift through all that. But we'll have that for you, uh, I don't know, at some point. Thanks for listening, everybody. Say goodbye, David. Yeah. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye, everybody.